As a church, since, since we began, we've been looking uh, specifically at, at Jesus. Uh, who is Jesus and what does it look like to follow him? We've been doing that in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it's one of four Gospel stories. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each sat down um, a couple thousand years ago to tell the story of this man, Jesus, who lived on earth and, and to um, share with us uh, what they came to understand about this man, Jesus. And so we've been studying Luke's account, and, um, and Luke's uh, gospel has a couple of distinctive things to it. Number one, Luke, is, um, uh, Luke takes special interest to focus on marginalized people in the life of Jesus. Now, marginalized people simply means people on the outskirts of society, people who um, uh, weren't the most popular and weren't the most beautiful. Over and over, Luke tells stories of Jesus caring for hurting people, uh, taking children uh, on his knee and saying, you got to be more like a child, not more like the beautiful and famous people in your society. Jesus uh, would go and he'd touch a leper instead of just healing him. He'd put his hand on him. So Luke speaks over and over to marginalized people, people outside of the inner circle. And uh, and I think it's a beautiful challenge for us as we listen to Luke's gospel to consider um, our community unity and the people that so often, because they're not the, the cream of the crop, they're not the center of our society, they get just left in the margins. And so we chose Luke for one, for one because he does a wonderful job of just opening our eyes to um, hurting people and the way Jesus loved and cared for, and we are invited to love and care for hurting people. The second distinctive thing about the Gospel of Luke is this, um, that it follows the flow that as a church we begin, like as one of our, our core values. We said you can believe belong here first, uh, that this is a place of belonging no matter who you are and where you're at in your faith journey. Um, we said, in time you'll come to realize that we are Jesus followers, and, and we hope that in time you come to believe in Jesus. We hope that you come to put your faith in him, and when we do, uh, we, we become the people that he created us to be. He changes us, and beautiful things happen in our lives. So this is also the flow of Luke. We didn't choose this by accident. Uh, you'll see this played out many times throughout scripture, and certainly in Jesus' um, ministry in life. Um, so Jesus began uh, calling um, his, his followers. And so he called 12 different men to be his apostles, his closest followers. And they were like tax collectors, absolutely hated by their, uh, their culture. They were fishermen, just ordinary people, everyday people. But he said, come and follow me. You've got a place of belonging with me. Come. And he spent three years with them where they came to understand more and believe more deeply uh, who Jesus was and what he was doing. And so a few weeks ago, um, we were in uh, Luke chapter 9. We'll be in Luke chapter 10 today. Um, uh, We were in Luke chapter 9, and it's the story of Peter's confession where Jesus, um, he... uh, uh, he asks his followers, his apostles, so um, who do people say that I am? And, and they, they cover their bases. They say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, come back to life. Some say you're one of the prophets of old. And others say uh, that, that you're a great teacher. Um, and so, so they cover their bases and Jesus turns to them and he says, so who do you say that I am? Right? He asks them, so who, do, who, do you, who am I? Right? And, um, and it's in that moment in Luke chapter 9 where... where um, where uh, Peter is the first to say, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You are, you are our Savior, and you are our hope. And it was in that moment that, that his followers came to believe something spectacular about him. They had seen for years that he was a healer, that he was a teacher, that he could do incredible things. But in that moment, something began to change. 
And there's this quirky little thing. It's this middle ground right here that isn't, on, you know, isn't described on a paper. Um, but uh, Jesus, immediately after Peter's confession, says, now don't tell anyone. And we ask the question, now why in the world, when you realize that he's the Savior, Messiah, and our hope, would Jesus say, now don't tell anyone? It's because this. They had not yet come to fully realize what it means that he's a savior. They had not been transformed by what Jesus, who Jesus was. Uh, they had not been transformed by their understanding. And so instead, the, the, the rest of the, the uh, Gospel of Luke, well, it's going to do two things. It's going to accelerate towards the cross. From, from that moment on, we accelerate towards the cross. Jesus moves uh, both physically towards Jerusalem and the story develops towards the cross. Um, and, uh, and all the while, the second thing, all the while, um, Jesus is going to be reshaping their understanding and their lives and, and the way that they live, that they can become a part of his mission. That in the cross, in the resurrection, in the formation of the church, that they can play beautiful roles in his mission. And so today in Luke chapter 10, we're going to engage a story where, where he begins to send them. Again, the message was not the Messiah is here, because they would think, well, that's the king come to rule and to rescue Israel. But no, the message, he, he begins to send his followers saying, um, saying, go and, and, and share that the kingdom has come near. So we'll be in Luke chapter 10 today. Let's pray over God's word uh, before we engage it. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this time and this opportunity to uh, read from your word. Father, I pray that you will speak powerfully through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place that he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. All right, the depth in this passage is incredible, and the number of things uh, just just to take in as Jesus sends and as Jesus says it, um, it, it takes time. And so we're going to take a few minutes to to kind of process what's happening in this text. Now, this is not the first time that Jesus has sent out his followers. Um, just just prior to this, in chapter nine, Jesus sent out his followers to the Samaritan towns, and and without going into a lot of detail, the Samaritans these are kind of the outcasts, the ultimate marginalized people uh, that are kind of half Israelite and half have walked away from God. And so the Israelites don't like them. But Jesus is focusing on the Samaritans. He, he sends his, his, uh, his messengers out into those towns and they're rejected and they're mistreated. And, um, and so they come back to Jesus and they say, they were mean to us. And they ask Jesus this question. It's fascinating. You should read this later in Luke 9. Um, they say, do you, do you want us to call down fire and destroy them? Right? Their feelings had been hurt, and they asked Jesus, Do you, should, we, should we just destroy them? And Jesus' response is hilarious. It says, he rebukes them, and then they went on to another village. That's it. Like, he chooses follow his, his messengers out. He says, of course we're not going to call down fire and destroy anyone. This is not the kind of kingdom I'm building. This is not what I'm inviting you to. It's not about war, and it's not about calling down fire. No. And they walk on to the next village. And that kind of sets the stage for then this sending of the 72, where now Jesus sends out 72 um, uh, of, of his followers. Um, and it says he sent them out two by two. 
And I think that's interesting and significant as we start to consider today the idea of ascending, that we have been sent. Uh, so often we feel alone in that. Uh, we feel incapable of, you know, uh, sharing God's message and love and, and, and good news with people around us. Um, so I think it's significant that he sent them out in pairs, that they have a partner in this process. It says in verse 1 that he sent them um, to every town and to every place that he was about to go. So, so in this, we start to see this interesting little process where Jesus has equipped them. Jesus has been traveling in Samaria and talking with people. We read stories and look at that. So Jesus had begun the process. He sends his people into these towns where he's about to go. Uh, it's interesting to me that, that the story of these towns and these people's hope uh, revolves around Jesus, who began a journey uh, and who is going to go to these towns and complete his work and his mission there. But he invites these 72 people to go in this interim to be his messengers, to, to share the news of the kingdom of God. And, and as we begin to explore today, so, so what does it look like to um, be on mission with God, to be caught up in his great mission? Um, we realize uh, that, that God is the agent of the mission, that God is the power behind the mission. And all my insecurities and reasons why I can't or shouldn't tell someone about uh, my faith in Jesus, well, um, they're muted by the fact that Jesus begins and finishes his process. And we're invited to this little piece in the middle where we, where we get to be in partnership on mission with God. I, I want you to notice in the text that the responsibility was not theirs, but instead that he is sending them, that, them out in weakness and humility, uh, that he that they can be a part of his mission and process and journey. He says in verse 2, the harvest is plentiful and the workers, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And I think this is fascinating. Um, uh, So often we live as followers of Jesus and and as as churches um, out of just a mentality of scarcity, right? Um, People don't want to know about Jesus. Um, uh, People already heard the message and they've chosen not. Jesus tells them as he sends them out, um, the harvest is plentiful. There is plenty out there to be done. And in fact, what we need is, is more workers, and I wonder, what would it look like if we, as, as followers of God, and I, just, I don't just mean this church, like if the churches of the Tri-Cities, the churches in the Northwest, and the churches in the world came together saying, no, we believe that the harvest is plentiful, and there's work to be done, and good things happen as we engage in God's plan and process and, and live on mission with him to live out of this mentality that the harvest is plentiful. Well, it would change our perspective. And yet, so often, I think we, we find ourselves still stuck in this in this idea that no, there's just it's it's not going to work, right? And I think there's two main things that cause us to to not live in this um, in this mentality of uh, of a plentiful harvest. Um, number one, um, uh, maybe we're looking in the wrong places. Um, if the harvest doesn't seem plentiful in uh, the network of relationships we're engaged in, 
it very well might be that there is another place in our community that we ought to be focusing our attentions because the harvest is plentiful. It's very possible that we're looking in the wrong places. We're staying in our same circles and our comfort zones rather than engaging where Jesus has cultivated a ground and a harvest is plentiful right here around us. It's also very possible, and I speak to myself not to call anyone out, it's very possible that my faith is weak and that my trust in God is lacking. When I think, no, it's not going to work, people don't want to know Jesus, I think a lot of that has to do with a, with a lack of faith in my life, lack of trust that God is powerful and God is accomplishing his mission and God is doing powerful things, and I'm invited into that to confidently engage in what God is accomplishing. And finally, he says, and I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't take a purse or a bag or sandals and don't greet anyone on the road. By the way, at the, that end part, I think he's talking about just the urgency of the mission, right? Uh, don't, don't just hang out, you know, and, and, and have conversation. I'm sending you to these towns. So be intentional in how you engage and how you go and, and what you do. And, uh, but he said, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst, among wolves. Uh, don't take anything. And I think it's interesting that Jesus asks his followers to be meek, to be humble, to be in need of the world around him, in need of the hospitality of the world. Now watch, he's going to explain it a little bit more in verse 5. When you enter a house, uh, first say, uh, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. So Jesus says, I've sent, he sent his 72 out. When you get to a town, first thing I want you to do is uh, knock on a door and meet someone that you don't know. And he says, come in a posture of peace. Bring, bring peace to that household. Offer your peace to this household. And if they are peaceful people, then they will reciprocate that peace and they will invite you in to their home. Now, these are a little bit different cultural norms uh, than we live with today, right? But, but that's, that, so he says, go knock on the door, offer your peace to them. If they reciprocate, you'll be let in. And he says, stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you. Don't feel guilty about that, but instead accept the hospitality of the world. Now, I want to pause really briefly there because I don't know if you've ever had a relationship or known someone who um, uh, will only give and will never let you reciprocate kindness and generosity. Have you ever had that experience? They'll only give and they'll never let you give a little bit back. I think Jesus is on to something important here, that as we are living in relationship with people, there is a reciprocal relationship in which, yes, they give to you, and yes, you come giving. He invites us um, as, as people of God to accept the hospitality of the world. And, and I want to say, as we continue to, to think just, so what does it look like, you know, to, to live on mission with God today and, and as a church, as we're so new in the formation, to consider that it is our job to accept the hospitality of the world. By that, I mean, we're looking for open doors in our community. Where are places that we are invited in to engage, to participate, to show love, accept the hospitality of the world around us, uh, and in that, God uh, further accomplishes his mission. So he says, stay in that house. I think that's interesting also. He he says, don't just jump from house to house and hit as many people as you can. He says, no, 
settle in, you know, develop relationship, know people. And I think that's important to us as we consider what it looks like to live on mission with God. Verse 8, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there um, and tell them that the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to my feet, I wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Okay, so here's what Jesus says. He says, uh, you will be rejected in some places. Brush the dust off your feet and move on. He says, the kingdom of heaven is near and it brings peace and it brings relationship and it brings hope, but some will reject it and and there will be consequences for that. But he says, you move on when that happens. Again, you're lambs among wolves. You're not like, we're not bringing fire. We're not bringing judgment. No, we're bringing hope of good news. And when people reject that, we move on. And there's an important reality in this, that, um, that we, uh, as we choose to live on mission with God, will experience rejection. That is a reality of the process. It doesn't mean we didn't do it well enough. It doesn't mean God's not powerful to change hearts. It does mean that people are given choice and free will, and there will be people that reject it. And you know what's hard is that as a follower of Jesus, as we become more committed to the mission, there are times that people that we have known and been in relationship for a long time will will reject us because of our faith in Jesus, because of the way Jesus is changing us. And, and that's, that's not uh, beautiful, that's not fun, we don't like that. But we're invited to be a contrast people, living on mission for God, invited into new relationships and new opportunities and new purpose in life. So Jesus says, go to those towns, um, help the people in those places, tell them that the kingdom of God is near to you. You know, the kingdom of God being near is a beautiful concept, one we won't go into a lot of detail on today. Um, But the message of the kingdom that Jesus ushered in is that it has come and it is still coming. That we as followers of Jesus are living in the kingdom. Um, that, that we are a part of what God is accomplishing. One of the songs we sang today was about exactly that. Um, thank you that we're living in your kingdom. That's good, that's good theology. Today, we are living in God's kingdom, and yet the fruition of it comes at Jesus' return. So we have opportunity now to live in God's presence, to be near to God, to be near to Him, to be a part of the work that our King is doing here in the world, to be a part of his kingdom. And, and before we uh, uh, finish our text, I want to just throw in two more verses that kind of say, so how did this process go? They went out, they experienced rejection, they experienced success. So they come back in verse 17 of chapter 10, and, and the 72 return with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They say, we saw powerful things happening as we went out on mission. We know they experienced rejection. We know they were beat up and thrown out of towns. We know they were mistreated. But the message that they come back with is with joy, 
saying, we saw powerful things happening. Your name was powerful to accomplish incredible things. And in in verse 21, Jesus' response, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, he said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, and you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good, um, your good pleasure. So this, again, is speaking of those marginalized people. He's saying that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rulers of our people, they don't get it, and they're not experiencing what we're experiencing, but children and ordinary people like us, like them, like you and me, ordinary people are invited to see God's power as we live on mission with him, and that is a beautiful and exciting promise. So as I consider then, as we consider then, so what does this look like in our lives? What are we invited into? What are we called to out of this passage? I'd like to invite us to realize that, um, that, uh, that God has, has invited us to be caught up in his mission. That our lives be caught up in a story far greater than ourselves, that has spanned since the beginning of time and for thousands of years we read of, told through God's word, through scripture, that God invites us to be caught up into his mission. Um, and, and it's not always easy to see our individual calling in that process. And so I want to be really practical for a few minutes, but um, God, uh, that, that we begin to listen for God's calling in our lives. To realize that he has gone ahead of us and he is inviting us in his calling to participate in his mission that he then will come and accomplish. Um, so, so being invited onto mission with God, it likely invokes um, some excitement and some anxiety in life. We might know the anxiety better than we know the excitement. Uh, as uh, the more, my, my hunch is that the more vague my understanding of God's calling in my life is, the more anxiety I would feel and the less excitement I would feel. But as we start to see more clearly what God is inviting us into, I think maybe the excitement begins to increase. The, the anxiety will probably always be there. And sometimes we allow it to be crippling in our lives, but, but we see the response of his followers as they go ahead and step out in faith and, and live on mission and their joy and their excitement in that process. Now, at times, God's calling is going to uh, involve moving to a new place or, or moving overseas to live on mission in very specific ways. And that's a beautiful thing. I am excited for those of us in this room that God might be just beginning a calling on that level. I'm excited to pray together as we continue to consider what that calling looks like as a church. How do we support missions? How do we accomplish missions, uh, both here and throughout the world? So, well, well, sometimes God's mission involves going overseas. I think we do ourselves a real disservice when we consider missions to be something that happens in the lives of those that go overseas or move to a new community. Because I believe that God's mission always involves where we're at right now. I think that's pivotal, that we realize that, well, God's calling is continuing to, to, to come clear in my life, and well, it may be big and overseas, here and now, God has called me on mission in the lives of my coworkers and in the lives of my friends, in the relationships that I have, that right now, today, God is calling me onto mission and to be a part of what he is accomplishing 
So I want to give, I want to be really practical just for a few moments. And I want to look at practically what does it look like to share our faith? Our churchy term for it is evangelism sometimes or things like that. But what does it look like to share my faith? And what are just practical ways in everyday life um, to live on mission? It starts with prayer. It starts with, uh, if, if, if you hear today God saying, you can be a part of what I'm accomplishing. If there's a little bit of excitement in you, I invite you to start with prayer. Prayer that, that God will open our eyes to people in our lives that we can share good news with. Prayer that God will give us confidence and, and teach us to trust in the Spirit's guidance to accomplish His work, because again, it doesn't rest on our shoulders. So it begins with prayer. Secondly, positioning. Uh, is is an extremely practical way um, to uh, to begin to share our faith. Um, find um, each day, find one way to show kindness to a person. It can be as simple as opening a door for someone. Uh, it can be as simple as offering to refill your coworker's coffee cup. But that we live lives that we position ourselves in ways that we are showing love and kindness to people around us. I think that's pivotal if we want to share good news with people. Um, do random acts of kindness. Sarah had a funny experience this last week as she, uh, um, our, our refrigerator died this last week. That was not funny or fun. And, uh, so we were, we had no milk that morning and so she had to go to Starbucks instead of make her coffee at home that morning. I know, shoot, that was a tough thing for her. I know, suffering, right? And so she, um, she went to Starbucks and she was having a good morning and she, she, uh, got to the counter. She said, well, I want to pay for the coffee of the person behind me. And so she did that and she drove on. Just a random act of kindness. You've heard that. It's a great thing to do, right? It's a, it's a way to encourage someone and lift up their day. She got a message uh, from Alyssa's kindergarten teacher from last year uh, that afternoon saying, I thought that was in, you in front of me in Starbucks. Thanks for the coffee, right? In this random act of kindness, it turns out it was kindergarten teacher from last year. It's funny the way God orchestrates when we position ourselves in, in ways of generosity and love in the world around us. So uh, practical tips for sharing our faith. Um, conversation is pivotal. That we be people that start conversations with anyone, the person checking us out at the grocery store, the clerk there, um, anyone, uh, that, that we'd be willing to have a conversation. Uh, tell stories, have lively conversation, um, and listen attentively. Now, here's an here's a interesting distinction. We're all somewhere on a spectrum between extremely extroverted and extremely introverted, and almost none of us are on the extremes, but somewhere in that spectrum. And I, I do want to encourage that conversation and, and, and sharing faith is something that any of us can do wherever we are on that spectrum. If you are extroverted by nature, I'd encourage you to not only focus on talking, but spend a little time listening attentively to people. That's really valuable. Some people just need to be heard. Um, if, if you find yourself a little more introverted, it's okay to focus on listening. Listen, but invite people to talk. Invite people to share. Conversation is pivotal in sharing faith. Um, and then uh, know, know how to share your personal testimony. Spend some time thinking through what a two-minute story of how God has changed my life looks like for you. This is what my life looked like before. This is how I met Jesus, and this is how it's different now. It's a really simple three-piece way to share your story. And let me just say, your story might be the most powerful thing you have to offer people when it comes to faith. Um, And then finally, do what you love to do 
but focus on the opportunity to engage others in that process. That's great for evangelism. If you love to hike, if you love to ride bikes, do that. And do it with people. And be intentional in the conversations that you have. God has invited us to be caught up in his mission. We have been called to live on mission with Jesus. And so uh, today is this becoming part. Remember the story of Luke and how it flows. Having come to believe, for those of us that have placed our hope in Jesus, God is calling us to, to live on mission with him. And while it can be a huge and daunting task that I can't accomplish, well, that's all very true. It is huge, it is daunting, and we can't accomplish it, which is why it's so good that Jesus has accomplished it and invites us to participate with him in that process. We have been called on mission with him. And there'll be fear and excitement in the process. We'll be rejected at time. Um, but we return to Jesus saying, um, we, we return to what, what, what Jesus' followers said as they, as they came back from mission, saying, we have seen powerful things. I believe that fully. As we engage in the mission that God is accomplishing, we, we're able to see him and experience him in ways that we never would have. Keep it simple. Consider Consider, though, how you can participate in the mission of God, because you've been invited. Let's pray about that. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for an opportunity today to to read your word. And Father, um, a a topic like mission and, and sharing faith is intimidating and it's challenging and we have all feared it for all of the years of our lives. But Father, um, we thank you that you are faithful and that you are accomplishing your mission. And, and Father, um, we thank you that you invite ordinary people to participate in your process. I pray, Father, that you will open our eyes to the beauty and the potential of, of uh, accepting your invitation. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, uh, we are excited about branches, things we have coming up in the weeks to come. Uh, we hope that you go have a blessed week. Join us in the week to come.